Welcome into NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty and trade deadlines uh, upon us. NBA All-Star is right around the corner. There's a lot going on. Last week, you and I discussed our picks for All-Star reserves, and we agreed on way more than I expected to. And then it turns out we were more accurate than I expected to be to run back through the All-Star reserves really quickly in the Eastern Conference. DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle, Drew Holiday, and Tyrese Halliburton. In the West, John Morant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, DeMontis Sabonis, Paul George, Lowry Markinen, Damian Lillard, and Jaron Jackson Jr. At first glance, biggest surprises slash biggest snubs for you on this year's pool of All-Star Reserves. I got to say, the name that stuck out to me when I first saw the All-Star Reserves is Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm -hmm. Not like that. I think we mentioned him in passing like a week ago when we did this in terms of just how dominant he's been defensively and how players like that don't usually get rewarded for All-Star. Like, they don't just jump off the page. By the way, he's having an outrageous season. Like, the Mm -hmm. blocks that he's getting, um, the on-off numbers are absurd. So with him off the court... The Grizzlies are giving up 112 points per 100 possessions, which is still an elite mark, like a top 10 mark in the league. With him on the court, 103.8. That is outrageous. The Cavaliers currently have the best defensive rating in the NBA at 109.6. All right. This team is basically on, on impossible to score on, basically, when you look at the numbers with Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court. He's been outstanding on that end. However, in saying that, I was a little surprised that he made it just because. We both had Anthony Davis on ours. And look, the, the argument against Anthony Davis is he hasn't played enough games. The Lakers haven't really been that great. And I think it makes sense to reward a Grizzlies team that is near the top of the Western Conference standings by having two All-Stars. But like Anthony Davis has played more minutes than Jaron Jackson Jr. this season. I know that might come as a surprise to some people. Yes, Jaron, Jaron Jackson Jr. has played in more games. But I just think when you kind of look at it from that perspective, I don't think the gap defensively is as big between Anthony Davis and Jaron Jackson Jr. as it is offensively. So for me, I was just a little bit surprised that he made it over Anthony Davis, although I do get the argument for not having AD on, obviously. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, I'm right there with you on that. Uh, I think at the time that the announcement came, I think it was like a 12-minute difference in the amount of minutes that they've played. And it's it's easy to look at, at games played, but minutes played, that speaks to the role uh, that you have for your team. And, and like we said, Anthony Davis was playing at an MVP level. Jaron Jackson Jr. is obviously playing at a defensive player of the year level. But Anthony Davis, we've seen him make some all-defensive first-team uh, level plays on, on, on the floor as well. Um, so, yeah, I definitely was surprised about uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Happy for him, but definitely surprised uh, about that. Um, to add one more that, that really kind of caused me a, a little bit of surprise, um, and that's Drew Holiday. I'd actually written his name down at first just off the strength of giving the Bucks two All-Stars, but I, I really kind of was unsure about how strongly I felt about that and ultimately went with Pascal Siakam. Uh, I know we've discussed, you know, whether or not he was actually a snub, but I think that, you know, you go back to the team success of the Bucks being, you know, right on the heels of the Celtics as the top team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, and Drew Holiday definitely being uh, the guy who's 
kept things afloat. Giannis has been in and out of the lineup. Um, Chris Milton has been in and out of the lineup. And when he's in the lineup, hasn't necessarily been himself this season. I think it's just interesting to look at, at Drew Holiday, especially to look at the fact that this is his first all-star selection since 2013. Yes, two in his career. They came 10 years apart. So wasn't really expecting that. And we even talked about Brooke Lopez being, uh, you know, the Bucks' second all-star. And I know there's a little bit of bias there. But still, uh, I think that, that that's kind of what caused some surprise. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Gil. Um, no, I, I was surprised as well. Look, Drew Holiday is awesome. He's one of the guys, I think every single team in the league would want him on their roster. He's one of those, like, you want him in the playoffs. He's more valuable in the playoffs than he is even in the regular season just because of what he does defensively and all the stuff that he can do offensively. I, I was kind of surprised that he made it as well. I honestly think that we're overlooking James Harden's season, honestly. Um, the fact that he was an all-star is pretty surprising to me. Leading the league in assists, he's just played a key and a central role in Philadelphia's success. Like, the two-man game with him and Joel Embiid is, is basically unstoppable. Um, so I, I was surprised that Harden didn't get it. And also Jimmy Butler. Like, I know Jimmy Butler doesn't care about being an all-star. It sounds like he'd much rather have the, the week off and take a vacation somewhere. Um, but Jimmy Butler is easily a top 15 player in the league. And yes, he's missed some time this season, but we talked about it last week. Like, when you watch him on the court, he stands out as being one of the best players in the league, what he does on both ends. So I personally, I probably would. I had James Harden and Jimmy Butler um, over Drew Holiday and Julius Randle, and we've talked about it too. I, I actually think that Jalen Brunson was probably the more deserving Nick if there were if that mm-hmm. team was going to have someone, just because of what he's done in the clutch and kind of like the table setting that he does for that team. Like I think what he's bringing at that point guard position, that steady hand, all that um, has really been the difference there. So, but again, it's tough, man. Like there's just so many good players. You could have made the case for so many different players this season. Yeah, no, we, we closed last week talking about potentially, you know, making it 13 or, or 15 guys on the all-star team, I believe. I mean, it's been 12 players in the all-star game for as long as there's been an all-star game. And we know that back in the early stages of the league, there were only 12 teams and, and it made for a, a larger chunk of players in the league. So maybe this is the year that causes uh, uh, maybe a, a little bit of closer look at, at how this thing works to other names that we mentioned that did not uh, get the nod. Anthony Edwards in Minnesota and De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, two guards, definitely worthy, but again, loaded at guard in the Western Conference. So um, that is something now. Speaking of loaded at guard in the Western Conference, the Western Conference adds another all-star guard to its repertoire of guys that they have to offer. The trade deadline mayhem and madness is underway. Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And the time since we last recorded, he requested a trade in 48 hours, is now a Maverick next to Luka Doncic in Dallas. What were your first thoughts when you learned about this deal? Yeah, this happened quickly. On one hand, I I wasn't surprised. I actually thought from the get-go, the Mavs made the most sense to me, just from the perspective of like, you know, Luka does need help. And Kyrie was in such an interesting position where given all the stuff that's happened to him and the fact that he could be an unrestricted free agent in the offseason, like his, the asking price for him, I felt like was going to be low enough for a team like the Mavs to actually pull us off because the Mavs were kind of lower than a lot of teams in terms of assets. So I, I wasn't that surprised from this perspective, but it's still a big move. Like it's a pretty risky move too. I think there's two ways to look at this. I, on court, like on paper, I love the, the the dynamic between him and Luka Doncic. I think it's going to make for a similar kind of one-two punch as you know James uh, as LeBron James and Kyrie did in Cleveland. Like we've done the Luka comparisons for years now, how how similar yeah. he is to LeBron, but he really does have like a similar command of the game. 
And I think Kyrie's role is going to look very similar next to him. You know, a guy who can go get his when you need it, whether that's in crunch time or when Luca's going to be sitting on the bench. But he's also a good enough off-ball player to play off of Luca, which is exactly what they need. So I think from that perspective, like it could be a very much like a supercharged version of Luca and Jalen Brunson, which was a really good one-two punch. They made the Western Conference Finals last season. I think they could be better than that. In saying that, I do have some concerns defensively because yeah. Kyrie, while he has quick hands and when he's locked in, can be a, a good defender. He's not always like that. And we know Luca, um, while big, is not known for his defense. And this Mavericks team is already struggling on that end of the court. And they gave away probably their best defensive player to get Kyrie. So there's that. And then obviously there's all the other stuff that comes with Kyrie. Yeah. The off-court yeah. stuff. The fact that, yes, he's reportedly ecstatic to be going to Dallas and teaming up with Luka Doncic. But ask Celtics fans, ask Nets fans what that means. There's just no way of knowing how the next, you know, days, weeks, months are going to play out. Like, is this a rental or is this a situation where in six months' time he's signing an extension and Luka and Kyrie are going to be, you know, teammates for the next two, four years, whatever it may be? Or is he just going to go to the Lakers as a free agent? We just have no idea. There's so much that, that you said that that's at play with this. And I think definitely thinking about, you know, a supercharged version of Jalen Brunson. It, it's kind of funny because it doesn't really feel like this Mavericks team was in the Western Conference Finals last year. The, the Warriors made light work of them, but they kind of ran out of steam. And adding a guy like Kyrie, um, we can no longer say that they haven't uh, gotten Luca, any help? This is his best teammate by far. Kyrie is playing at an all-star level, all-star starter level this season. But there are a lot of questions, like you said. You know, in order to get a ca- talent of his caliber, somebody, some people had to be on the way out. Dorian Finney-Smith, who was the team's best perimeter defender, Spencer Dinwiddie returns to Brooklyn for now, um, and they parted ways with three draft picks. So there are a lot of things that, that are going on. Mark Stein reported that you know there haven't been discussions on you know uh, the two-year extension and they'll they'll revisit everything at the end of the year you know the reporting going into it was that uh Kyrie was interested in going to the Lakers so you know if this is a rental and and you have to wow him and impress him how hard is that going to be are the Mavericks done what else can they do to improve this roster um to to maybe put them back in the position to be where they were last year and go beyond where they were last year I think what works in their favor is that this Western Conference this year is Eh, you know, the, the Nuggets are, are the best team uh, by far. They have the best record by far. The Grizzlies um, are right there behind them. But after that, you know, the third seed and, and 13th seed are, are separated by, I think, five games with, you know, 25, 30 games left to play in the year. So the Mavericks, you know, made a calculated risk, you know, based on what we've seen with Kyrie and LeBron. And based on what we've seen with Luca and, and Jalen Brunson, but I'm just curious to see how it's going to work. And, and honestly, what it made me think about, um, I saw an interesting start bench, bench cut with Kyrie's teammates. He's now played with LeBron, KD, and Luka Doncic. And oh yeah, he's played with James Harden as well. I know they didn't share the floor that often, but you know, I, I guess that gives me a little confidence in, in Kyrie being able to, you know, kind of figure out how to, to get it, get to his spots and fit with him. But it kind of made me think, like, where does Luca rank among best teammates that Kyrie has played with? Oh man, you're putting me on the spot right here. I mean, it's, I don't know look, either. Look, LeBron, LeBron's one. We don't have to argue about yeah. this. I, and then yeah. it's, I, I don't know. I, I think the KD Luca argument is is an interesting one. They're both yeah. top five players in the league right now, right? Right. 
Right. So uh, it's just interesting to think about that. So, so to think about Kyrie and, and what he'll have to show for it uh, when it's all said and done, who knows what they'll be able to do. Um, but I guess the other part of that is, you know, do you think that this puts this Mavericks team in that upper echelon of the Western Conference right behind, right with, you know, Denver, Memphis, Dallas, because right now it's Sacramento at third. And no disrespect to the Kings, they've been playing well. De'Aaron Fox playing at all-star level. DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star. They've been playing well under Mike Brown. But most people are thinking, you know, it's a good story. But when the playoffs come around, they're not really going to do much. The Mavericks have guys who have done things on the playoff stage and actually played better when their lights are brighter. So do you think that puts them in a better position to compete, uh, you know, when the stakes are a little bit higher? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think any team in the league wants to play Luka Doncic in a playoff series. And to, like you said, this is going to be his best teammate that he's had to this yeah. point in his NBA career. A guy, by the way, who's won a championship before, hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history, is yeah. still kind of in his prime. That's why I just love this fit on paper. The reason I wouldn't get them up to that same level as the Nuggets and the Grizzlies, maybe even the Warriors, I know that they've been so hard to, to know what to make of them this season, but yeah. I feel like you have to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially if they're going to be healthy, which is a big question mark for them. But I, I would have them in that group. I don't think I would have the Mavericks at that point just because of this so much uncertainty around Kyrie Irving. Like, I, it's gone to the point where I just kind of have to see it to believe it at this point. Um especially the defense too. Like, I do think that's a concern. I'm not really worried. I know I get the argument of like, there's only one ball and they both need the ball in their hands. I think they're going to figure it out. Like Kyrie is that good kind of playing next to another, you know, a a superstar of like Lucas caliber. So I'm not that worried about it. I I just think there's too much uncertainty around Kyrie for me to say that they can kind of be at that same level as those other teams. Yeah, and I agree as far as that, and, and, to, and to add to that, those guys are just really smart, cerebral players. They they know yeah. how to get to their spots. They know they know how to play off of players that are are very good, and and you know they'll, they'll lift each other's play. I think thinking about that, and one more question before we talk about the wider scope in the Western Conference. But do you think it's fair uh, that people have been so skeptical about the Nuggets and the Grizzlies because you know we haven't seen you know, these teams do anything. And if I, if, if memory serves me correctly, these are two of six franchises that have never been to the NBA finals. So you can't hold the past against them, but is there more to be desired? Do we have to see them do it on the postseason stage for us to say, okay, this team can actually really make a run for a title and beat the Celtics or the Bucks or whoever comes out of the East? I get the, I think I get the skepticism more with the Grizzlies just because they are, a younger team, you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where I feel like teams are really going to try, like they're going to have to be able to shoot the ball well, I think, to make a deep playoff run because teams are just going to, I think, dare Jaron Jackson Jr. to shoot, um, you know, help off of Steven Adams as much as possible and really load up the paint for John Moran when, when you know, push comes to shove. So I, I, I think I have more question marks with them. Denver, the big thing for me is their defense. Like, can they mm. defend at a high enough level and really defend in enough different ways to beat four teams, which is what it would take to win the NBA title. But in saying that, the offense is legit. Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA. Gil, you know I love him more than anyone else in the world, possibly. Um, And and really, Jokic and Jamal Murray have proven it in the playoffs before. I think that's the big thing for them, where I have total confidence that they're going to be ready for the playoffs and they're going to show out. So that's not to say I don't have any questions. Again, I think the defense is the big one for me in the Nuggets. But I, I have, I probably have the most confidence outside of the Warriors. And again, they're just such a weird team this season with how many people have been in and out, all the kind of the, the bench struggles, all these kind of things. 
But again, I, I just I wouldn't want to count them out, and they have that championship pedigree. So for me, I think those are the two teams, kind of definitely at the top. Um, but the Grizzlies have played well enough, you know. Not recently, they're on a little bit of a slide right now. But I think the Grizzlies have proven themselves to be, you know, one of the best in the West. Yeah, it's funny, um, you know, thinking about Jokic and Murray and, and the big performances that they had uh, in the bubble in 2020, coming back from 3-1 twice and, you know, obviously just running into uh, the Lakers and ultimately just not being able to get over that. But I'm thinking about it now that I literally thinking about it as I'm sitting here, the last the last three teams that have eliminated the Nuggets have gone on to the finals. They lost to the Suns and, and they lost to the Warriors last year and they lost to the Lakers in 2020. Um, and I was also thinking about it. The three teams that we've been talking about, the Warriors went all through all of them last year. They beat the Nuggets who were injured in the first round, then the Grizzlies, then the Mavericks. So obviously, like you mentioned, health being the biggest thing, the biggest factor cannot count out the Warriors until they are eliminated. But with respect to the Warriors and their health over the weekend, Steph Curry uh, in the Warriors primetime game against Dallas, which they actually ended up winning, exited late in the third quarter with a leg injury that is too complicated for me to attempt to try and explain right now. But I will say that he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. The Warriors have hovered around 500 all season at the time of the injury. They're a game Above 500, sitting at eighth, but we mentioned the log jam. They're just as close to third as they are to 13th. So how concerned are you this time with this injury coming at this juncture of the year? Can the Warriors still remain afloat without Steph Curry as the season reaches its stretch run? You wrote about this on Sporting News, and I recommend everyone check that out. It is interesting that, you know, the record has basically been the same to this point of the season with Curry on the court and without. But if you look at the advanced numbers, like it's crystal clear that they are just obviously a far superior team, but the impact that he has offensively, there's just nothing quite like it. So I think all things considered, things are so jumbled in the West right now that yes, they can probably survive this stretch. I also think it's probably come at the best time possible for them to have something like this, just considering like you wrote, the all-star break is around the corner, so they're just they're, they're going to have more of a break. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, again, it, it is just so jumbled right now that I think, yes, they probably do survive it. But this is also a team that I would think does not want anything to do with the play-in tournament uh, by the time the end of the season comes around. So this is more of a conversation like, can they still crack the top six, I think, rather than like, can they finish top 10 in the West? Yeah, you know, we saw what happened to them in the play-in tournament a couple of years ago. One LeBron, one-eyed three-pointer, and then a, an inspired Grizzlies team comes into San Francisco and gets a win. And the Warriors just missed the playoffs all together. But, you know, we talked about it. You know, the Suns are starting to get it together. Devin Booker uh, is, is, is getting closer to returning to the lineup. They're going to be active on, on the trade market. Breaking news <laughs> on the pod. Um, apparently, he is planning to make his return Tuesday against the Nets. So, Devin Booker is back. There you go. Devin, Devin Booker is is back. So, there you go. The Suns are a team. They're going to be active, you know, at the trade deadline. So, they're a team that we might want to toss in there with that elite Western Conference team. So, you talk about those teams, Nuggets, Grizzlies, the Mavericks as well. It might be a little tight to get in, in one of those top six spots. So the Warriors are going to have to have some guys step up. Jordan Poole has played well as a starter. I think he's still trying to figure his footing of, of what his role is when Curry's around. So they're going to have to figure that out. And I, I keep thinking back to to last year um, with the Nets, who really didn't have much continuity all year. But everybody was saying, you know, wait till they get to the playoffs. And then they were swept. 
bad matchup. But again, it had a lot to do with the lack of continuity for them. So when I, when I think about that, the Warriors are a much different team because they, they know exactly what it takes to win as a unit. But I, I am curious to see, you know, if they can get everything together and get on, on, on the same page at the right time and maybe close the season, maybe winning 15 of their last 20. Well, they only have 29 games left as we say this. So maybe, you know, win 10 of their last 15 going into the playoffs. And then that's a team you don't want to see, especially, you know, if, if they're a six or a five seed and you're the three or the four seed, you don't want to see the defending champs. Lowest seed to ever win a championship is the six seed Rockets in 95. And they were defending champs. So um, definitely something worth keeping an eye on. I don't know. Are you expecting Jordan Poole to be the main guy to step up or, or are there other guys on that roster? Is it a Wiggins, a Ty Jerome? I can't believe I'm saying that. But who do the Warriors need to step up while, while Steph Curry's out? It's Jordan Poole. You wrote about this as well. The splits between him as a starter versus reserve this season are just mind-boggling. Like he, He's just yeah. been so much better and it's not even close Different as player. a starter. So I, I think it starts with him. And to your point, I think Wiggins too. Um, he's been in and out of the lineup this season. He was an all-star last year. He had a good start to the season. So it'd be good for them to kind of find that rhythm again. I think you, when, while you explain that though, I think this is the reason I just can't count the Warriors out. Beyond the fact that, you know, they've won multiple championships and this is a proven core and everything. I, I didn't think they were going to win the championship last season. Like it's easy to forget that Clay barely played. Yeah. Um, Draymond yeah. Green and Steph Curry were in and out of the lineup. Their top three barely played going into the playoffs. And even then, Steph had that injury going to the playoffs. Like, he was coming off the bench at the start of the playoffs. So I just think there were so many question marks for me um, that I just didn't have the Warriors winning at all. But obviously, it became very clear that, you know, as long as those guys are healthy, basically, like, they're going to be okay. And again, similar to, like, the Luka thing. No one wants to play Steph Curry and a healthy Warriors in a playoff series. And I really don't think they're going to be that scared of really anyone, right? Like, they probably think as long as they're healthy – they can be anyone whether they have home court advantage or not. So, but it is complicated. I think the playing tournament works in their in their favor in this situation because now there are 10 teams that kind of qualify for this. They obviously mm-hmm. don't want to be in that position, um, but they do have a little bit of a cushion here. But that also means that they can't, you know, they can't go 0-10 as well. Like there is pressure here to kind of at least keep their head above water. Yeah, you're talking about that, and, and he's no longer with the team. But Gary Payton II is a guy who got injured, and they were like, how are we going to survive without him? And yeah. he ends up coming back in the finals and, and made and played a big role uh, in their finals game. So it just kind of goes back and talks about, you know, it sounds cliche, but the journey towards winning a championship, so much happens. And it shows how much it takes out of you because I think that has a big role in, in why this team has been struggling this season. But, again, they have everything in front of them. They're still hovering around 500 in a year where the Western Conference, there's a lot up for grabs, and they have an opportunity to kind of hang around. They can be a play-in team. And, honestly, if there was a team to be the first play-in team <laughs> to win an NBA championship, I, I would think it would be the Golden State Warriors. I definitely think that they're a team who maybe we shouldn't sleep on as being active around the trade deadline, maybe improving around the margins um, and trying to become a little more playoff-ready because they do know what it takes to win. And we know very well that they – don't mind paying the price and going into a luxury tax to put together a winner. So I wouldn't sleep on that. One thing worth keeping an eye on is these couple games before All-Star break. They're going to play teams that they are right beside in the standings. So extra meaning to those games. Uh, and one of those games is against the Los Angeles Lakers, who are still trying to get back to 500, but they haven't gotten there yet. We talked a lot about trade deadline. They missed out. On Kyrie Irving, LeBron James is getting introspective, taking it to Twitter, tweeting through it, um, saying maybe it's me. 
Um, but one thing that will definitely be him is number one on the NBA's all-time scoring list. We record this on Monday after a five-game road trip. I think he played in four of the five games. He is 36 points away from becoming first all-time on the NBA scoring list. It's funny because we've talked about it for a while. We knew this day was going to come. And now that it's here, it's actually a huge deal. Like, this is crazy. It's an incredible deal. I mean, I, I even remember going into the season, it was one of those things where you could project it out. Like, yeah, it's going to take mm-hmm. him 60-odd games to do this. If he continues to score at this rate, which really we've never seen in NBA history from someone at this stage of their career with this much mileage. And also just the fact that LeBron really has struggled to stay healthy the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those where, hey, if he has another 50-game season, which isn't beyond it, like, this might not happen this season. Like, there's a real possibility so for him to be like absolutely breaking this record, it's going to be one, maybe two games. Um, if he's obviously, maybe that's some juice for Lou Dort to hold him under thirty points. Maybe that's that's kind of like you know that that that's you know something going into All Star Weekend that they can hang their hat on. But it's going to happen before All Star Weekend by all accounts, um, and it's just it's just incredible. It's one of those I think you know we may never see someone touch this record again. Um, Steph No is going to have a great article out on Sporting News. By the time you listen to this, it might be live about like who could challenge, like who's next up. Um, and really the answer is like Luca. But he'd also have to just play for so long and maintain this pace for so long and also be healthy. Like it just puts mm-hmm. into perspective how outrageous of a record this is. And by the way, LeBron could just completely blow this record out of the water um, if he's going to play another two, three, four, five seasons. Like I think we've talked about this too. Like at what stage is LeBron not scoring 20 points per game? Um right. Is there really, like is he forty two years old if he still wants to and averaging like eighteen twenty points per game pretty easily? Uh, he's just such a smart player, obviously so athletic, still so strong. Um, it, it really is just it, it's it, it is a very very impressive record. That's one of the things that I noticed, you know, w- when watching the play. And I know I talked about him being, you know, quote unquote the best show in the NBA, but seeing him dominate a, a smaller Hornets team who didn't really have the 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 ability to to deal with his strength, and he just played bully ball. And LeBron's not going to get any weaker. He, he might his, his athleticism might go away, but people talk about old man, man strength all the time. Like he's going to be able to put you on the block and, and use his smarts and his size and athleticism. And if the Lakers are able to put more people around him, that will make life easier for him. Um, and, and as we mentioned, he's he's 38 years old in year 20, still averaging 30 points a game. So um, he has to get down to 25 first before we're wondering if he can get to 20. So he can do this for a long time. Staying healthy is a big part of it. We know he wants to play with his son Bronny. Um, who was can get to the NBA in 2024 at the earliest. So by all accounts, LeBron's at least got two more seasons in him after this season. So we're talking potentially 40,000, 40,000 plus points uh, over the course of his career when the previous record was in the 38,000. So looking at that, it's pretty wild. And then just kind of taking taking stock of some of the other things that LeBron has done. We, he also, by the way, entered the top five <laughs> in assists of, of all time. So all the accolades that he has, I mean, people have kind of, you know, having their GOAT conversations and this and that and the third, but I think it's really hard to argue that he's had the GOAT career as far as everything that he's accomplished, um, everything that he will be able to do record-wise. And the fact that at the age of 16, people told us he was going to be this, and he spent the last 22 years and, and ongoing, um, you know, proving that those people who crowned him at the age of 16 were right. One thing that I heard the other day that I didn't even realize it was when the uh, the, the Lakers were playing the Pelicans on, on ESPN, LeBron has had more 50-point games in his career, 14, 
than games in single digit scoring, which is Crazy. eight. So that is just an insane stat. We talked about just a streak of, of consecutive points, uh, score or consecutive games with double digit scoring. And also that adds to that six of those eight games came when he was a rookie. So we'll, we'll hold against him. He was like 18, 19 years old when he failed to score 10 points. So, so just looking at that body of work and, and for me to be able to say like, you know, when LeBron came into the league, I was, nine years old. Now I'm 28 years old talking about him still playing at a top 10 level in the league. And he's been a top 10 player in the league since maybe his, the end of his second season or third season. So to be able to see decades, literal decades of greatness, I think this is something that everybody shouldn't gloss over. This is a huge, huge accomplishment for him. So I'll definitely be tuned in. We'll see uh, if it comes over Lou Dort or Wesley Matthews, because after they play <laughs> the Thunder, they'll play the Bucks uh, in both games in LA at Crypto.com Arena and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are supposed to be at both of them. So that's exciting. I think the when you were talking that through, the first thing that came to mind is Victor Wembanyama is probably the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, right? And there's probably yes, a, yes. he's probably he might there's a case to be made that he's the most hyped prospect ever. Um, right. To think like it, imagine him playing 20 years in the league, knocking out <laughs> our expectations that we have right now. Right. Like, it, that's crazy to me to think that he could do that. You know what I mean? And to your point, that's what LeBron did. Like, he's the most hyped prospect in NBA history when he first came in, and he smashed every single expectation out of the park and then some. Um, so if we play at this level just for as long as he did, we really might not ever see anything like it again. Yeah, we, you talk about Wimbledon, you factor in social media and, and everything that's going on, the 24-hour news cycle. I think that makes it a different kind of hype. But to think that does. LeBron had that level of hype, Without that stuff makes it even wilder to think about. So once he does officially become number one all time, we'll have more of this introspective look at the career of LeBron James, which is still going. He's still pursuing uh, another NBA title, but he's going to need some more help around him. So we will see if the Lakers make a move at the trade deadline and who else makes moves at the trade deadline here on NBA Sound System. We'll be back with you this time Next week, because we'll have a lot to talk about with the trades that happen, the moves that are made. And also, I want to, again, I mentioned earlier, WNBA free agency is going on. Brianna Stewart signed with the New York Liberty. There are two super teams in the WNBA now, in the Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. And there's some other teams that are coming for their crown. But as it all seems right now, those teams are probably playing WNBA finals. So now we're having some more NBA teams being, uh, super teams being formed at the trade deadline. So we'll be back with you next week to talk about all of that. So keep it locked in with NBA Sound System. Subscribe, like, wherever you get your podcasts and get them right into your feed every time we have a new episode to drop. For Scott Rafferty, I am Gil McGregor. We will catch you next week.